You are listening to Damascus Crossroads. From Central Kentucky, welcome to Damascus Crossroads, a podcast for those who are seeking healing from addiction. Your host, Tim Altman, will be having real conversations about how the power of Jesus Christ can break the chains of addiction and deliver anyone from this bondage. If you are at the crossroads of your life between continuing a life of affliction from addiction or living a life of freedom, you've come to the right place. May today's message be your Damascus moment and open your eyes to renewal. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Tim Altman with your um, Damascus Crossroads podcast. Uh, just want to just hoping everybody out there had a Merry Christmas. Um, I had a good time. Some of my family I haven't seen since uh, I got out of rehab. Uh, I think a lot of them were surprised with my condition. You know, I just, you know, kind of weird seeing somebody that's, you know, last time you see them, they're whacked out out of their mind. And, and now they're, they're talking about Jesus and, uh, you know, I don't say a curse word anymore. I'm, I'm polite. I do as Abraham Lincoln's famous quote says: "It's better to shut your mouth and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt." So, I kind of quit, kept kept quiet. You know, during Christmas, uh, testified for Jesus when I could, when I had the opportunity. I let people know what Jesus did for me. Um, I read the book of uh, Luke and uh, the, the story of Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And um, you know, I led a prayer at Christmas dinner that if anybody didn't know Jesus Christ, this would be a perfect time to give their life to Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. And uh, uh, that's all I can do. Um, you know, I can't shove Jesus down their throat um, during Christmas dinner. I wish I could. But, you know, uh, with, with, you know, mom kind of brought out a good thing to me. You can't, you can't go around telling sinners each one of their sins because there's so many of them and they get so confused and they start thinking you're, you're a hypocrite and you're judgmental. I just try to push them toward Jesus and, and them picking up the Bible or them turning on, um, listening to a preacher, um, you know, accepting Jesus into their life and, and then let Jesus sort out their sins and, and, and start refining their life and, and, um, getting sin out of their life. Um, now if you have a Christian brother or sister out there and they're sinning, it's our responsibility um, to point out their sins. Um, I had my mother. I had gotten out of rehab, you know, as a Christian, struggling, you know, with issues. It's like I always say, God isn't looking for perfection; He's looking for progress. But I had, a, I had a major issue. I had um, some. She could see it in me. I had unforgiveness, um, malice. I wouldn't go so far as to say I ever had hatred or anything like that. But you know, things that were bothering me. And she told me to read, you know, John. You know, start out reading John. And in the book of John, it says, um, if you have malice toward your brother or unforgiveness hatred that um and you say that you believe in me meaning jesus then you deceive yourself um so you know that kind of woke me up you know she had to point that out to me you're not fooling anybody you're not going to be fooling god you know and no i made up excuses well uh what they did could have hurt my family could have got them in trouble could have got me in trouble and then you know the lord says stop 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 that's what the holy spirit always says to me just stop you know, take responsibility, do what you're supposed to do. Because when we go up to see Jesus and we stand in front of Jesus, we're not going to be able to, um, uh, he's, 
we'll, I guarantee we're going to be more worried at that time, at that particular time, about what we did. We're not going to be worried about what nobody else did up there. Um, and so, you know, we're going to we're going to be wishing we worried more about ourselves on that day. And uh, if, if we start saying to Jesus, hey, uh, so-and-so did this, and Jesus is going to say, stop, stop. I'm going to talk to them here in a little bit. I'm talking to you right now. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Um, you know, after my mom told me that, I, I got to um, where where I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm fasting. You know what I'm saying? Lord, don't take any take any hatred away from me, any any malice in my heart. And, you know, Lord and the Holy Spirit just, just you know, through Scripture and said to pray. You know, Jesus said, pray for your enemies. You know, I read that in there. He said, pray for those who despitefully use you and, and take advantage of you and, and hurt you, pray for them, um, love them, you know. Uh, so that's what I did. I started praying for them, like I said in um earlier thing, and uh, it really worked. It's um it's set me free, you know. Sometimes you're you're in when you're sinning and you have you have sin in your life. It's like having chains wrapped around you. And um, so bye bye my mom pointing that sin out to me. Um, I was actually able to, you know, not at first, but over over time, overcome it and break free of the chains of Satan. Satan loves to have you in bondage. That's why they call sin bondage. It, it ruins your it ruins your your walk with the Holy Spirit and your relationship with Jesus Christ. So, um, one of the issues I'm I'm working on now is just like um, the one issue we all suffer from. Everybody does is is that mouth. Um, you know, you say things you think you're joking, sarcasm. You know, you hurt people's feelings. Um, you know, or you just snap off real quick, and then you're like, man, why did I just get lose my cool? You know, so. Pray for me on that. Uh, that's like in the book of James. It says the tongue is one of the almost unruly, ungodly things. It sets the whole world on fire, you know. And I watch, you know, I watch images of Hitler up there, you know, blabbering or stalling, and millions of people out there, and, and by their little tongue, they're they're leading millions and millions of people to their death and destruction of of whole countries just from waggling their tongues. You know, it'll be better off they they would have cut their tongues out. Now they're you know in hell. Um, so, um, it's one of them things and, uh, pray for me on that. And, uh, we had a good Christmas, had a good time, you know, celebrate Jesus's birth. That's what we try to put first. And, um, I just want to give a shout out to, uh, Conley at Ground Zero in Campbellsville, Kentucky. Uh, him and his brother, uh, they put on a, um, they have them, they ran a building. It's kind of like an arcade room, uh, game room, got some pool tables, stuff like that. Uh, they kind of have sort of an AA meeting, you know, out of there, you know, Wednesdays at 7, 7 p.m. Uh, trying to get the guys from the healing house or um, people in the community that's suffering through drug addiction and recovery a, a place to go and, and fellowship. Um, you know, we try to talk about, you know, second chances, um, uh, getting getting healed, um, you know, talk about Jesus. Um, so shout out to him, him and his brother. They do that out of the goodness of their heart. Um you know, they don't try to make money, nothing like that. It's just, um, they just want to try to get back, you know. Um, that's what I try to do. That's what keeps me, uh, that's one thing that helps keep me on the straight and narrow is just giving back and trying to help other people. I don't know what it is about helping other people. It's kind of what Jesus said, go out and help, love your brothers. And it seems like it heals you. I don't, you know, it's hard to explain, but if I just hide in my house and, and don't do nothing, I, I seem to... De, de, degenerate. I seem to go back backwards and I don't go forward. Um, so uh, 
you know, we had, um, we spoke to him about second chances, you know. Uh, I know a kid in the neighborhood here, young kid, and um, a very talented athlete, um, good singer. I had it all going for me. I'd been in and out of jail and drug rehabs and different things. And, you know, I had quit for about three months, and he, he took a, um, a Xanax, I believe it was, and it had fentanyl on it, and um, he died. Um, it was it was really bad and sad. Um, but then, you know, that's that's your last chance, you know. That was his last chance. Um, and we was telling the guys, you know, this could be your last chance. Uh, I think for sure it was, it was my last chance. Um, the Holy Spirit told me uh, and, um, that I was going to be no longer protected and the hands were, and the gloves were coming off. I was, I was heading for trouble. Um, I believe if I would have kept doing drugs or went back to him, I'd be dead right now. Um, for one thing, my health was deteriorating very badly. Um, my my hands and feet were already, I lost all sensation in my hands and feet. And I think I've already had a, maybe a couple strokes while I was doing methamphetamines. Um, but the Lord, um, you know, I'm in pretty good shape right now. The Lord's actually, you know, healed me. He must have plans for me. I want, you know, I thank the Lord that I'm, that I'm can get around as good as I do. Um, and, uh, I'm going to use whatever time left I have on this earth to try to help other people. But, um, we have about 60 or 70 guys there and we, my brother gave his testimony. My brother's been clean for 21 years of alcohol. You know, he told the guys that, you know, through Jesus Christ, he, he was able to, um, you know, get over his substance abuse. He had lost his, um, law firm and, uh, you know, hurt his family. Um, but you know, through Jesus Christ, um, Conley got up and speak, um, his brother, all of them gave thanks to the Lord Jesus Christ. Another guy that's been suffering through alcoholism, he got up there, um, you know, and um, he, he told him through Jesus Christ, um, you know, my brother 21 years, me two years, um, Conley and his brother six, seven years, and that guy, for the, uh, the other guy, seven years, all through Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing. You got five people together, all of them telling them guys out there, you know, Jesus Christ is the reason that we're that we're sober and that we're joyful and that our life has turned around. Um, all of us are doing good financially. Um, we don't have any worries. Um, our families are, are all back together. We have wives and um, kids and they're all doing good. And we're looking out at these guys and they're just their families are just destroyed. They have no money. Uh, they're facing jail terms. And when, you know, about 80% of them, 20% of them, it seems like there's a, there's a little light going off and a, a little spark, you know, going off. And they're kind of saying, hey, man, these guys may have something, you know. And the other 20%, it just seems like it's kind of like Charlie Brown, blah, 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 blah. And um, it doesn't seem like it's sinking in. And it's, it, it, it seems like, you know, they, they get in rehab and, and they're just like I was. They, they're faking it until they can make it out of there. And then they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna put that demon back on a leash, and uh, you know they're gonna take control of that demon again. And you know we go to rehab, that demon's done went off on us. Ain't you know pretty much anybody gets into rehab admits that that demon's done whooped up on them, and it's got you on a chain. But you know whenever we start out with our drug addictions or our alcohol addictions or porn addictions or all four of them, three addictions, um, we always think we have them under control. That in the end they control us. Um, that's why they call them addictions, and um, you know, you just see them there. They're just buying their time. They're they're thinking it's all a joke. Um, they're thinking they're going to get out. Um, you know, they're gonna they're gonna control. They're gonna drink a beer. They're gonna they're gonna do a little bit of drugs on the weekend. Same thing I was thinking, and um, 
you know, it just ain't going to work out for them. Uh, they don't understand. That's one of Satan's greatest lies that, that you can do just one, one line, um, that you can, you can have what's one beer, uh, you know, everybody's doing it. You'll be all right. You can control it. Uh, that's Satan's lie. You, you can't control nothing. Um, one thing you can control is, is, is your walk with Jesus Christ by staying in the word, staying in the scripture and staying bulldog strong. You got a bulldog. You, you can't, you can't have that one beer. You can't have that one line, that one hot rail, that one, that one shot, you know, um, it just don't work that way. One ain't never enough. I think Guns N' Roses said that. The little gets more and more. Um, so we uh, we talked to the guys, and I gave out some Bibles. I'm trying to encourage them to to read the Bible, and um, you know, I do a little contest if they if they read the Bible. Like I have them read Matthew this week, and then Mark. I I pick names and give out gift cards. Um, try to encourage them to read the Word of God. Uh, you know, the Word of God. Um, Believe me, you get the word of God in you, and you can. Uh, it's easy peasy with Jesus quitting drugs, um, and then that's proven fact. Um, by the five of us, you know, when we talked to him, you know, we got over, we got over. Let's see, we got over fifty or sixty years of, of sobriety in in amongst us um, through Jesus Christ, and you know that is the cure. That is the true cure. So if you're out there suffering. And you don't think you can break it. You can't. And, you know, funny thing about the five of us, none of us even want it no more. We, we don't even think about it. Um, you know, I've seen a few people white knuckle and quit, but they'll tell you that they will honestly tell you. I think about it every minute of the day. Um, like I had an uncle that smoked cigarettes and something as simple as cigarettes. And he's 30 years ago. He said, I think about cigarettes every day. I white knuckle it. I go in a gas station and I look at them, you know, I want them. And that's funny because, I mean, it's not really funny, but to me, with through Jesus Christ, I don't even, I go in a liquor store or beer. I mean, I go through the gas station, there's beer. Um, you know, I found methamphetamines in my sock drawer since I, they're in my clothes when I got home, you know, but I, but I'll rehab, I just throw them in the fire. I don't even think about it, you know. I don't want it. Um, that's the power of Jesus Christ in your life. And, and not wanting something, and then you can start enjoying your life again. Will you have physical damage from the drugs or or, or issues? Your your mind has to recover from. Yes, you will. But the Lord will help get you through it. Um, one thing in this episode I want to talk about is there's characteristics that, um, that that people and worldly people that sinners have that um us as Christians ought to we ought to we ought to consider them characteristics and. Their characteristics and their um, the way they handle themselves, maybe we ought to take some lessons from. Uh, a good example is the the Roman general who comes to Jesus, and um, he has a servant that is paralyzed and and sick, and he tells Jesus, he said, Jesus, um, please heal my servant. Jesus said, Okay, um, I will go with you, and we'll you know go to your house and the. Roman general said, you don't, you know, I'm not worthy for you to go to my house. And at this time, you know, the Romans were, were the ones who controlled the Israelites, the Jewish people. They crucified them. They taxed them to death. They basically enslaved them. So they were the enemies of the Jewish people. But Jesus had always preached, love your enemies. And so Jesus said, let's go to the house and we'll see what we can do. And, uh, and the Roman, the Roman general said, no. He said, um, I have men under me, and I tell them to go and do this, and they do it. Tell them to go there, and they go there. And um, Jesus was amazed because he said, I haven't seen this great a faith in all of Israel. Um, you know, uh, here's someone that 
just tells that the just tells somebody to go here or go into battle, take a hundred men into battle, kill other people, get killed yourself, and they do it without question. They obey one hundred percent. And yet Jesus, you know, he he comes as the perfect lamb, as the one that's been prophesied for hundreds of years through the Old Testament. And the Jewish people mock him, most of them anyways. They don't accept his message of love and mercy and forgiveness um, and following the Ten Commandments and repenting of their sins. Uh, they scoff at him. And and he's he's amazed, you know, because they're, they're, they're seeing Jesus do all these miracles, raise people from the dead, and they still won't do what these, what these worldly sinner Gentiles will do when their general tells them to do something. So Jesus said he was amazed by them, but... Anyways, Jesus said, go and your servant will be healed. And sure enough, the Roman, the Roman general, Centurion, his servant was healed that very hour, they said it. Um, so there's characteristics that people in the world have. And, and one person I study in history that had the characteristics that we need as recovering addicts, and he himself was a recovering addict, um, was U.S. Grant um, of the Union Army. Um He's kind of a fascinating person. He um, had a drinking problem that he was able to keep under control. Um, he was a stout anti-slavery uh, Protestant, his family. Uh, he come from southern Ohio, south, southwest Ohio. He lived along the Ohio River. Um, and um, he fought in the Mexican War. He um, went out west. He had four children and a wife and um, that he loved very much. And he went out west, and they, they wouldn't let him take the, his family with him. And so he started to drink, and uh, he actually got, somehow he got kicked out of the Army or resigned. Um, he went back to the hardware store, um, and uh, he worked at a hardware store. And um, he married a woman that was actually um, a slave owner of her family, and they actually gave Grant a slave. And he actually set him free. He gave him his freedom. Uh, so that shows you what kind of person Grant is. Um, he said, I would never, he said, I, I would never want to be a slave. That's why I wouldn't, I would never have a slave. So he freed the man. Um, so um, that's the kind of person Grant was. So anyways, the, the war started. Um, and he, he goes out west. He starts out as an officer, a, a low officer, but he moves up quick because he's winning battles. He's one of the only um, Union officers that, that's winning any battles because one thing about Grant, he he was a bulldog. He knew the North um, had the manpower, the industrial might to defeat the Southern Army. They just had to they just had to get their stuff together and and go go forward, bulldog it. Um, of course, a lot of the um, Union generals complained he was a drunk, and there's really no proof of this except for one time. Uh, in the past, he was, but you know, you ever know that once you carry that reputation that you did drugs or you drank, and people's always going to be pointing that out. And of course, Lincoln knew knew it probably wasn't true either. There's a lot of jealousy, and he said um, he told his aide to uh, Lincoln said, uh, "Find out what Grant's drinking and send the case to the other generals." So um, I thought that was kind of funny that you know um, whatever Lee, whatever Grant was drinking, the other generals needed to drink it so they could get a victory, a victory. So, anyways, in the East, um, Robert E. Lee was just uh, destroying the um, Union armies that were sent against him, the Army of the Potomac. Um, they would come out of Washington, try to get to Richmond. Uh, Lee would be outnumbered um, three to one, two to one. Um, the one thing the South really produced it was mini balls to shove down their muskets. Um, they really didn't produce any artillery to amount to anything, um, any kind of weapons, uh, clothes, the uh, 
rebel soldiers were, didn't have any shoes and half naked. Um, the Union cavalry would say they could they could track the Confederate forces by the blood the blood on the roads, you know, and how many there was by the amount of blood on the road because they had no shoes. Um, they were like a like something out of a um, horror movie, like scarecrows or something, half starved and famished. Um, and you know, I, I see a lot of these good old boys. They have their rebel flags flying over their trailers and and they yeehaw and hee-haw and all that and then if the south would have won but you know to be honest with you the south was an evil institution it was um it was terrible um lincoln lincoln made a comment you know before the civil war he said for those who favor slavery i'd like to enslave them for a year and then after about a year talk to them and see if they're still in favor of slavery so I thought that was funny, you know. Yeah, sure, they're in favor of slavery. What was? What if they were slaves? Would they like it so much then? You know, I thought that was, you know, Lincoln was a good man. Um, Lincoln said his religion was, when I do good, I feel good. And when I do bad, I feel bad. That's my religion. Um, I'm not sure that's going to get you to heaven all day, but he did talk about God a lot. And um, I guess that's between him and the Lord. And he'll stand in front of God just like I will. So, But he was a... He was a good man. Um, he was a wise man. And anyway, so he he couldn't get a victory in the in the East against Bobby E. Lee. He just kept getting defeated after defeat. And so he calls he calls Grant in from from the West, um, where Grant, you know, Grant, he put Grant in charge of the whole the whole Union Army. Um, so Grant gets gets together a large army, prepares them. Um, he divides it into three forces. Um, two smaller armies than his main army. Um, so they start into Virginia. The two smaller armies are defeated by um, two forces of Confederate armies. Uh, they sent out to get them. Um, and Lincoln had always said that the two smaller armies were to hold Lee's, each one was supposed to hold Lee by the leg while Grant skinned it. Um, well, anyways, they didn't work out. Grant's going to have to hold them by the legs and skin them himself. Um, Union Army's huge. It's 120,000 men um, with 5,000 uh, mule trainload wagons of provisions and ammunition and food um, tagging along with them. Um, Lincoln gave Grant um, one order. He said, "Get a hold of, get a hold of Lee's army. Latch on, chew on it, tear on it, swallow as much as you can, but don't let go." So basically, he was telling the bulldog Grant to be a bulldog. Um, Grant knew what to do. Uh, one thing about Grant, he sees the situation up, and uh, this is where I want to go into our parallels as Christians. Um, you know, sometimes we, we face an enemy like Bobby E. Lee, you know, like Grant did or, or Lincoln, and we just can't we just can't figure out how to beat them. We don't understand how we can beat them. Um, for one thing, we got to be like Grant. We got to seize up the situation and be able to, you know, figure out what's going on overall, you know, be able to see the big bigger picture. And um, the bigger picture for us as Christians is that we've already we already got victory. All we got to do is stay the course. Um, just like Grant knew, all we had all he had to do was stay the course. He will wear down the Confederates and Bobby E. Lee. He will defeat them. Um, there, there's no doubt about it. You know, they had the they had the manpower, they had the industrial power. All, all the only way they could get beat is if they beat themselves. And as Christians, being born again with Jesus on our side. The only way we can lose to the devil is if we if we lose to ourselves. Um, that's what I want to tell you guys out there going through recovery. Um, 
you know, you, you've got your victory. All you got to do is stay away from drugs, read your Bible, um, you know, cut sin out of your life. And in the end, you're going to be in heaven. And um, Jesus said he goes to prepare a place. We, we have victory. You know, um, the disciples, like, you know, I told you, they, they were crucified. But in the end, they're in heaven. You know, it doesn't matter to them what happened to them. This, this earth is just a vapor. And then, then we get our victory. Uh, but we're going to be in the battles with the devil. And so that's what, that's what Grant realized. He realized that um, they had victory. And the only way they could lose it was, was if they, they lost the will to fight. Just like us against as, as, as addicts, the only way that we can lose it is if we give in, if we do them uh, drugs. Um, you know, if we put ourselves back in bondage, um, that's the only way that, that we can lose it. Anyways, um, I'll get back to telling you about Bobby E. Lee's Army of Northern Virginia. Um, the average soldier in the Confederate Army was just um, basically a peasant. Um, the slave owners, the 1% to 2% of the population that owned slaves in the South, were exempt from military service. Now, at the start of the war, um, they signed up, but when the slaughter got bad, um, they they dropped out and went back to their plantations and uh, left the uh, poor peasant boys to... Uh, to do the fighting, and same thing in the northern armies. Um, uh, they didn't, the average Confederate soldier was, was ill-educated, backwoods. Um, um, they caught, they captured one at uh, Gettysburg, a Confederate scarecrow, they called him. No shoes, only thing he had was his rifle. Anyways, they captured a bunch of them at uh, Gettysburg, and uh, they asked him, they were kind of fascinated, because they seen he didn't have anything, and he, he looked worse off than a homeless person in the north did, and they said, they said, what are you fighting for, you know? Um, he said, for my rats. So they, they didn't understand what he said. So they was like, well, what'd you just say you're fighting for? You, and he said, I'm fighting for my rats. So I guess they finally figured out he was saying he's fighting for his rights. <laughs> so um, I guess the northern people were looking at him like, if uh, you're getting treated like you're getting treated, why, why are you fighting for him? Um, that's a good question. Um, Bobby E. Lee was a charismatic general. The the um, he knew how to he knew how to get the, the troops would storm hell for him is what what the old saying was for Bobby E. Lee. They called him their old man. Um, uh, they loved him like a father. Um, you know he was their I guess you want to call it their false messiah who led them who led them astray and uh, led many of them to their deaths. But um, that's the way war is, I guess. Um, Grant and his army was was huge. It was 120,000 fat Yankees um, moving their way um, moving their way south to to crush Bobby E. Lee and his army in Northern Virginia once and for all. Um, so uh, sometimes you know in our addiction, you know, parallel to that is is we gotta we gotta crush the devil once and for all in our lives and get rid of them. Um, I know with my addiction, you know, I just basically do not partaking any kind of drugs or alcohol anymore that's the way i crush the devil in my addiction um but you know grant still got the crushing to do so grant's moving south um lee lee and his scouts are seeing this huge army moving toward him um under under grant now one amusing thing is that uh, general longstreet he's the second in command of the army of northern virginia he was actually at grant's wedding as a best man or something and uh he told lee he said you're fixing to face a bulldog uh, he will not stop. He will fight us every day until he wins. He will not quit. And um, General Lee's answer to that was, we'll see about that. Um, 
you know, Lee still had confidence. Uh, Longstreet could see the painting, the, the, the painting on the wall, as you say, or the writing on the wall. Uh, he's seen that, um, and with Grant here now, he's seen how he fought in the West, and he did not stop. Uh, Grant's nickname was The Butcher. That was one name for him because when he came after you, he, he would expend everything he had knowing that he was going to win in the end because he outnumbered you two to one. So if he lost half his men, you would, you would lose all your men was his theory. Um, that's what he was going to do to Lee. Um, so I guess after Lee's, Lee got his warning from his, his second in command, Longstreet, uh, who he called affectionately his old war horse, um, Lee knew he had to do something. He, he kind of shadowed Grant's army as it moved down the Rap, Rapidan River south of Washington. Um, Grant was moving in an easterly direction looking to get around, get over the, cross the river, ford the river, um, and start marching toward Richmond. Um, Lee was blocking them everywhere. Finally, Grant got an opening in an area called the Wilderness. We believe that Lee gave him this opening. He let him cross the river because um, he's going to have, there's only two roads through the Wilderness. It was a, it's a tangle of, of timber, uh, second growth timber. Uh, the main timber was cut for an iron factory that was in the area. And it was thousands and thousands of acres, you know, of, of second growth timber, briar thickets, um, just a maze. Two roads to get through it, no way to outflank an enemy, no way to bring your cannons up. And how do you, you know, when Lee's seen that opportunity, he, he was like the devil. The devil likes to drag you into the wilderness. That's where he tried to tempt Jesus. He, he tried to drag him into the wilderness and, and, um, and tempt him and attack him. Um, and that's the same thing Robert E. Lee did with, with Grant. He's seen an opportunity. He's seen them. He's seen the Yankees, uh, the Northern Army of the Potomac's miles upon miles of supplies uh, moving through the wilderness. Uh, units, you know, separated Union divisions, you know, scattered out throughout the wilderness, you know, on these two roads. And Lee took the opportunity um, to strike, and he hit hard. And, and he, you know, the next thing they know, the, the, the North seen, you know, 60 or 40,000 howling rebels come come out of the woods screaming the rebel yell you know and um they hit the hit the union hard and um a parallel to that is in our drug addiction you know the devil's always going to drag us into the wilderness and um he's going to hit us with everything he has uh the memory we got to remember like grant did then that the devil's outnumbered he's um he's defeated he's desperate and lee was desperate at this time and, and when we get cleaned up and we get straight, the devil gets desperate, and he will drag us into the wilderness. Um, we got to stand our ground. We got to stand strong. Um, the fighting went on all day. Um, it seemed to irritate Grant that that Lee would do this, and um, Grant got his his bulldog up on him, and uh, he sent his men in at Lee. Um, you know, thousands of his troops died. The woods caught on fire. Actually, the the troops were being burned alive. Um, it was hell on earth. Um, you know, in the tanglement that. In the in the in the undergrowth and entanglement with no artillery being brought to bear because it was just too 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 much of thickets they couldn't get the artillery to bring it up to to um and, you know to uh, help the Union cause um, so it was the smaller Southern units uh, better led um, better 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 made for this kind of battle that that actually took it to the big blundering Northern formations. And inflicted casualties at a rate of two to one on that first day. The second day, you know, after the first day, most of your Union commanders w would have uh, retreated back to Washington, but not the Bulldog Grant. In fact, he 
he decided to go further into the wilderness and attack Lee's left flank. He's seen over there that APA uh, Longstreet still haven't arrived on the battlefield with his 40,000 men, or 20,000 men he's bringing up. Um, Hill had about 20,000 men on the right flank against uh, Grant's left flank that had about 60,000. He was outnumbered three to four to one, and Grant smashed into Hill and just pushed him back um, so, you know, sometimes, you know, parallel to that is we just got to, we got to step up and we got to push back against the devil. We can't, we can't sit there and take a beating. And there's a time when we can defeat the devil in our lives and defeat sin and, um, you know, quit, quit, you know, fooling around with the devil and be done with him. And this is what Grant tried to do. He tried to smash Lee's army right here and he almost did. Uh, he was rolling it up, had him thrown in confusion. Uh, Bobby E. Lee, the commander of Northern Forces, came riding forward, trying to rally the troops just about the time Longstreet's division started stowing up on the battlefield and they wouldn't go forward they refused to go forward if, if lee wouldn't go to the rear they didn't want lee getting killed that's what they called their old their old man they they loved him uh they they drug his horse back to the rear you know lee wouldn't leave the field and he didn't want he wanted to lead the charge but as soon as lee left the field Longstreet arrived and uh 20 000 fresh men and they 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 um they they stopped the advance and pushed the pushed northern troops back um so Grant was timing here, um, and you know the you know by, and Lee wasn't done. He sent his engineers out to look for a way, you know, a weak spot in the Union lines, and that's the way the devil. That's a parallel to us as, as drug addicts. And the devil's going to look for a weak spot. You know, he's going to look for that spot in us, whether it be porn, or whether it be women, whether it be methamphetamines, heroin, alcohol. He's going to look at a way to get to his hate, anger, um, you name it. So we got to be careful. Anyways, Lee's, Lee's engineers found a old railroad cut that kind of was a hideaway kind of underneath a hillside and come out on the other side of the Union line. You know, basically, Lee run 8,000 men through that cut and came up on the flank of the Union Army, on the left flank of the Union Army, and, and come out of there whooping and yelling their rebel yell. Uh, they started rolling up the Union Union Army, just threw them into confusion, um, threw about 40,000, you know, Union troops into confusion because here they were fighting the rebels in front, and all of a sudden they seen rebels, you know, coming down their side, getting them in a, you know, it's kind of just those in, it's not really a situation where if you got cool heads and you don't panic and, and you reform, you're fine, but if you start a panic, it's like a stampede, and that's what these 8,000 men were trying to do. They had done it before to northern forces. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, a parallel to that with us is sometimes the devil throws us into a panic. Sometimes Sometimes we, we overestimate them. We see them rolling up our flank, and then all of a sudden, instead of just reforming, setting up, you know, calming down, saying, you ain't got nothing, devil, just, you know, just take a deep breath, and we ain't got to drink a beer, we, we ain't got to do them drugs. You know, we start to panic. We, we start to roll up and, and let the devil roll over us with, with, it, with him. And he, like I said, he doesn't have the superior force, just like that day, and he almost did it. Um, they sent runners back to the Union headquarters to let them know that the rebels were rolling up their flank and, and they were going to have to retreat. Well, lo and behold, they run in, the first runners run into uh, um, General General Grant. He's sitting on a log and he's doing his favorite thing, chewing on a cigar and whittling a piece of wood. And, um, of course, that runner, he, he starts yelling, yelling the, the Bobby E. Lee is rolling up our left, uh, left flank. He's uh, overrunning us. He's... Uh, He's gonna he's gonna take us he's gonna take us out and 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 be in Washington before we know it and, and Grant's you know he just stood up really calm and took his cigar out and said stop he said I'm tired of hearing about what Bobby E Lee's gonna do he said I want to hear about what you're gonna do to stop him 
Um, I kind of think this is funny here. You know, this guy's panicking, by, and Grant's just really calm. And that's kind of the way we need to be. We need to say, we, we need to quit saying stop. We don't want to hear about what what what, by, what the devil's going to do. We you know we sit there and tell our war stories, how the devil beat us up, whooped us, rolled up our flank, um, bruised us, battered us, sent us running back home. Um, we need to stand up and, 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 and tell the devil what we're going to do to him, that we, we're going to serve Jesus. We're going to cut sin out of our life, drugs. Um, you know, we're going to let him know what we're going to do. We're going to quit bragging about what he did to us. So that's what Grant told this runner. He said, you gather up, you get you get your generals and your officers to reform their positions. We got 20 to 30,000 um, 20 to 30,000 men, you know, re reserves back there. We're going to crush these rebels. And so the and a couple other runners, they came running up and, and, you know, they were in a panic and Grant said, stop. He said, next thing you're going to tell me that old Bobby E. Lee did a did a somersault and two backflips and ended up in the rear of our positions, which I thought that was kind of funny. Um, <laughs> he, you know, uh, you know, the Union Army held held Bobby E. Lee in as much. Um, oh, God, you know, he thought he was God, too. And then and, and, and all all knowing and all powerful, you know, they they almost reverenced him, you know. Um, so Grant was just trying to say, hey, this guy's not Superman. He He's nothing. He's been, he is defeated. He's just desperate right now. He's like a, a desperate rat, you know, clawing at us with all he's got because he knows he's about to lose. And that's the way Grant looked at him where um, the uh, the troops didn't. <laughs> they still have this fear of him, and uh, Grant didn't have it. So anyways, Grant rallied the other, the other two 20,000 troops and threw them at them Confederates. And like he, like Grant said, it was it was the Confederates rolled back, and, and they, they were stopped. Um but it's a testament to Lee. He looked for any opportunity. He attacked and he tried to set panic in. He tried to he tried to get in their heads. And and when he and when you do, it's like when the devil gets in your head. He gets you to go back and have a beer, or have a have a joint, or um, tempts you with something, um, and gets you back in a in life of sin. Then he just slowly starts rolling your flanks up, starts destroying your life, um, you know, and, and basically sends you a running, you know, for your life. Um, so basically, another funny incident during the battle is um a general a general Greg he he um uh, he attacks the uh, Southerns on the right flank um he breaks through, well nobody comes up to support his positions and the and and he's hollering he's he's telling all these other generals to come up, you know and his men get you know mauled by the Confederates they close in around him you know on three sides and they're just battering him, he finally manages to escape he gets back to headquarters and he he barges in on Meade and Grant he starts cussing. You know, of course, Meade is his overall uh, is the commander of the Army of Potomac, and Grant is his supervisor, the, the overall commander of all the armies. And this um, General Gregg, he comes in there and he tells uh, Meade that his mother and father wasn't wasn't married when they had him, and um, cussed him and called him all kinds of bad names, and said, "Where was my reinforcements? My men got hacked apart, and um, you know every curse word you can say." And so, Gregg storms out. And um, Grant walks up to, to Meade and says, um, I want that Griffin court-martialed now. We can't have this kind of talk in the in the Army and this undisciplinedness. And um, it was kind of funny because Meade, I don't know what was wrong that day, but he walks up to, to Grant. And Grant's always famous for looking sloppy and not being neat. And, of course, Meade's a lot taller than Grant. Grant's kind of 5'5", five, five, and Meade's probably six foot. And, and he's 55 years old, and Grant's probably 45, and he walks up, and he starts butting, but, buttoning up Grant's uniform. And uh, he says, now, General Grant, that there is General Gregg.
and that's just the way he talks. <laughs> so he finishes buttoning up his uniform, and Grant just kind of shakes his head out against Grant, and he didn't know what to think of meeting his, the bunch of this this Army bunch because he hadn't worked with Army Potomac. He was used to Western dif- discipline, you know, uh, how they did it out west. He didn't know they had on really mob like they had here in the Army Potomac, so Grant just kind of shook his head. You know, he didn't let it get to him. He didn't court-martial this um, General Gregg, which shows the humility of, of Grant and um, showed his showed his spirit. Um Anyways, um, the, the the second day, the Grant's able to stop all the Confederate offenses and the attacks that Lee threw at him. I mean, Lee, Lee left at every opportunity that he had. He almost broke the right flank later in the day. It was left up in the air, and they attacked and almost swept the Union forces there. But, I mean, being outnumbered two to one and almost getting your army rolled up like they did twice that day, um, Grant learned, and he said that day, he learned a very valuable lesson about Lee. Um uh, everybody said, you know, tell Grant, when you come out here, um, you're not fighting the Western generals of the Confederates. You're fighting the best they have. And uh, he learned a lesson that day and, and one that he won't forget that he, and that's what I like about Grant. He was able to listen to advice. Like he said, he should have listened sooner. Um, sometimes when we deal with the devil and, and we better listen to the Bible and what it says when we have to face the devil, we better listen to um, the men of God, our preachers. Uh, people, people like uh, Conley and uh, my brother and other people that testify and have been through addictions like me. You know, y'all need to listen, um, because we, you know, we've been through it. Um, uh, a lot of people, and then they can help you. You know, they got the experience where Grant didn't know what he was dealing with, and Lee also learned something that day. Um, Longstreet come up with him after the battle, and uh, and uh, Lee said he'll definitely retreat, and uh, Longstreet just shook his head and said, "No, he won't." He, he won't ever retreat an inch. And uh, so Lee's, Lee was a little bit perplexed. And sure enough, the next day, um, Grant gathers his army up, you know, all the wounded and everything's laying there. And they're all, they're all ready to go back to Washington, lick their wounds like they usually do after Bobby E. Lee whoops up on them. Uh, they had twice the casualties the Confederates did. But again, um, they have half the men. So... Lee's casualties were 20%, just like Grant's. And, and Grant gathered his army up, and they start heading south. They go back, you know, they take a little up up route and then head south, and the whole army starts cheering, and uh, you know, because they thought they were going to retreat. And uh, they're just in disbelief. They're so excited that they're not retreating, that they're going to go finish off um, General Lee and get this war over with. They want it to be done with so bad they don't care, you know. So they're cheering for Grant, and, you know, how many times in our, in our, you know, we, we have a battle with the devil or we have a setback in our life and and we refuse to quit. We, we refuse to give back in and, and we stand strong. You know, we slip up and I'm not just saying with drugs. I'm saying, you know, we, 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 we get mad at our wives or we get mad at our son or we have a somebody at church we have an issue with and we gets us depressed and down. The devil starts beating us over it. And, uh, and, um, so it's, um, one of those things. So they're heading South and, Basically what happens is, you know, um, Lee Lee eventually, Lee beats him to the next spot, uh, digs in, Grant attacks head on, you know, just tearing into Lee's army. Um, Lee's, Lee's really surprised that Grant's not retreating. Um, but a long story short, that, that year the election was in November, and uh, Grant was making these attacks in June, and the North was, was doing an election. Uh, there was a peace candidate named General McLean, who had been general earlier in the war, which Lee had just whooped up on every time they went to battle with each other. And uh, he was called the peace candidate, and if he won, he was going to get a peace treaty with the southern 
the southern nation just basically say you keep your nation or your your states and we'll keep ours and we'll call it quits and um and it would have changed this country forever um and so the north was hungry for some victories and and to end this war and basically by november um lee had lee was pretty much defeated um and um Grant's strategy of just bulldogging them had cost thousands and thousands of men's life. But, you know, the North seen the writing on the wall. They could see the Andalese army. Um, and that's like us, you know, like I said before, Grant Grant knew, you know, the writing was on the wall. But if if, if somebody like, you know, if Grant would have retreated after them first couple defeats that he had, he lost every major, almost every battle in that campaign, but lost. But he won. He lost every battle, but lost. But he won the campaign. Um, and you know, so that's determination. That's what the Lord's looking for in us hanging in there, not giving up. The Lord wants us to be like Grant and understand that we have victory over the devil, um, that, that we've already won. So no matter how the battles turn out, we're going to win the campaign. We're going to win the war. Um, it's already done, said deals stamped. And I mean, we got victory more assured than Grant did. And Grant was one of our almost 99% sure unless elections went wrong that he was going to win. Um, so Abraham Lincoln won the elections, you know, like I said, Sherman down in, uh, the other side on the army of Tennessee or in that area, he had already went through Atlanta and all, marched all the way to South Carolina. So, you know, the nation's like, man, we already, you know, beat the South where a year ago when Grant took over, the nation probably would have voted in McLean and sued for peace with the South, you know, um, sometimes, you know, in our life, sometimes we, we give in, you know, we give in to the devil. Um, we don't hold strong. We don't do like Grant and say all in. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep fighting and with the fight all summer on this line. That's what Grant told Lee. I'm gonna fight all summer until we beat you. And um, he did. Um, hundreds hundreds of thousands of men died that that summer. Um, the casualties were just outrageous. Um, the South had a lot more fight in them than what what um, we probably thought they did. But you know, Grant just beat them down, and um, it was. Um, you know, I, th I think that parallels our our lives as Christians. Um, so basically, by November, he had him he had a siege. Uh, basically, had a siege of Richmond going on, had the Southern capital surrounded. You know, choking the life out of the devil. Basically, um, that's what we do to the devil when we 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 start cutting sin out of our life. We basically put him in a stranglehold. We put him in a siege. He's he's got nowhere left to, for safe harbor in us. He's got no supplies coming into him. Uh, when we cut sin out of our life, when when we bring sin in, we feed the devil. We 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 encourage him. Um, he's kind of like a nasty old dog hangs around or hyena. You know, you feed him and you give him treats. He's gonna hang around. You know, that's why we got to cut sin out of our hearts and evil thoughts. Um, drugs, alcohol, definitely no no. Um, but um, that was kind of some parallels there, and and I thought it was interesting. Uh, you know, it's characteristics that people have that, that you know people throughout our history have. And, Grant was determined, and he, he could look at the overall picture of the situation and then make a plan and, and knew if he kept course, he would win. That's what we need to do. Keep course. We can see the overall picture that we have won. Jesus won at Calvary. He, uh, the devil, he howled with all his demons in hell when they put Jesus on the cross, and, and he had thought that he had victory right then, but he didn't know when, when Jesus rose again, he knew he was defeated. Um, he knew he had a short time left. That's why he's desperate. He's like, he's like Lee. He's like General Lee now. He, he's on his back foot and, um, you know, um, he doesn't, he doesn't have any much left in his tanks other than lies and deception. That's what he uses on us. 
Um, he likes to razzle-dazzle. Um, he likes to do the razzle-dazzle, kind of like Lee did on Grant. He he razzles and dazzles him. You know, he hits him. He flash attacks. Uh, just desperation, sheer desperation is what Lee threw at him. Um, in fact, after after the wilderness, when, when Grant kept moving through the wilderness going south, Lee tried to split his armies again. He did some kind of uh, wild attack and, and tried to split the Union Army again. He tried razzle-dazzle, and it almost worked. He just The Confederates were just so weakened at this point. They couldn't finish the attack and roll up the Union again. And Grant was, like, perplexed by dealing with it because he'd never seen a general out west that could fight like this devil Lee. And uh, he was just like, um, he, really had to, he really had to watch what he was doing with Lee. Um, Lee was dangerous. And, um, but there, you know, after, after a few battles, and um, Lee just started running out of steam. And even as great as general as he was, his troops were just plumb exhausted and beat down by Grant's pounding. Um, but uh, that's why the devil gets, you know. The devil, the, the more the more we the more we strain up, the more desperate he gets. The, the more he gets wore down, and he keeps striking at us. Um, just like Lee, he gets desperate, he keeps striking. But pretty soon we hold strong, and, and we hold strong, and, and we're gonna we're gonna get that devil out of our lives and um, go on to glory. Uh, um, so I want to tell you the new year's coming y'all, um, hold strong, remember, be a bulldog. Um, sometimes you're in the Valley and you just got to bulldog it, you know, and keep going, keep, keep determined, hold course. Um, new year's Eve's coming. So we're all tempted by drinking and doing drugs. Sometimes on new year's Eve, like the best thing I always do is just go home about eight o'clock and shut the, you know, I shut my gate and just turn off my phone and I just kind of shut the TV off and, and just act like it's any other night out there and go to bed, you know, don't go getting in no trouble. Um, don't say you're just going to go out and drink one time to celebrate the new year because it's just going to start out a whole year of, um, of going down the drain again and going back to Satan. Um, somebody comes up, offers you drugs and just act like they're coming up and they're bringing a set of chains and shackles to you. And they're saying, there you go, put these on and, um, see how you like the way they fit, you know, cause that's what you're doing when you go back to doing drugs or you go back to sin, you're just putting chains on, you're becoming a slave to sin. A slave to drugs. Everybody out there, everybody underneath the sound of my voice that's been on drugs or alcohol know that you were a slave um, to drugs. And your master, the devil, he's not even a good master. He doesn't care if you live or die. In fact, he would prefer that you die. That's what an evil master he is. Um, you know, he doesn't have even care for you. He's a bad master at that. Um, but he enslaves you. And you're overall, and what's going to, and you help them, you basically do it for them. You put the shackles on, you put the chains on. All you got to do is say, no, Satan, get behind me. I serve the Lord now. But anyways, um, I love y'all. God bless y'all. And um, happy, sober New Year's. Thank you for listening to Damascus Crossroads Podcast. If you like what you hear, follow us for more episodes. You can also visit our website by clicking the link in the description below. We'd like to thank Andrew Osinga for granting us permission to use his song The One True Thing on our podcast. If you haven't checked out his music, you're missing out on great praise and worship songs with uplifting messages. May God bless your day, your week, and keep you strong in your faith.